orgasm is hard to describe. The closest way that I can describe it would be when you have to pee so bad, but it's not like it's coming on all of a sudden. You've been holding that pee because you're busy doing stuff. And sure, you can go to the toilet, but you're doing shit and, you know, you'll wait. And then you wait. And then you finally go. And it feels so good or that sneeze that you can feel is coming on and you're thinking about it and you inhale and then no sneeze and again no sneeze and then one more time and then oh it feels so good orgasm when we talk about sexual orgasms are kind of like that, but better, stronger. This episode of Age Lust is not about this extreme release. This episode is about the soft achoo. The, oh, that was nice. That solitary sparkler on a birthday cake that you got at the dollar store and it kind of fizzles in the middle and has that baby little pop. These are blunted orgasms. I'm Jessica, board certified family nurse practitioner and a menopause slash hormone care provider. My focus is on sex, hormones, and mind expanding as medicine. And today we're gonna talk about blunted orgasms. There may be up to 24 different types of orgasm. Anal, clitoral, full body, A spot, P spot, G spot, O spot, mental, vaginal, blended, multiple, squirting, nipple, which I actually included in my research project for grad school, oral, exercise, energy, breath, spontaneous, nocturnal, dry, and of course, blunted or frustrating. The book, The Science of Orgasm, and they took this particular quote from another book called The Breathless Orgasm, a love map biography of asphyxiophilia. I kind of like the author's names too. It's Money Wainwright and Hingeberger. I don't I don't know. I kind of like those names. Anyway, let me tell you what this let me tell you what this definition is. The zenith of sex it's going to take me a minute to read this. Okay. The zenith of sexoerotic experience that men and women ca- characterize subjectively as voluptuous rapture or ecstasy. It occurs simultaneously in the brain mind and the pelvic genitalia, irrespective of its locus of onset. The occurrence of orgasm is contingent upon reciprocal intercommunication between neural networks in the brain above and the pelvic genitalia below, and it does not survive their deconnection 
by the severance of the spinal cord. However, it is available to survive even extensive trauma at either end. I just, <laughs> I like that idea of voluptuous and zenith and sexoerotic. There are people who can think themselves off. However, there are also those that ecstatic experience at one time as their bodies change, that great sneeze is more of that soft achoo. Just skip forward. I'm bringing this up because I have been experiencing the soft achoo. Now, I should be happy that I'm a chewing at all. I mean, I'm not trying to brag, but in that list of different orgasms, I had a lot of them. I used to have the multiple, the squirting, the vaginal, the blended, the oral, the exercise, energetic, nocturnal, dry, and now it's kind of turned into, oh, and clitoral too. Damn, that one too. But now it's turned into this blunted, this soft achoo. I'm not thrilled about it. I'm okay with it, but I'm always striving for more. You are talking to somebody who had an amazing orgasm during labor. Again, if you are my child, you do not want to hear that probably. So I just want to be clear. There are some people who are like, I have never had an earth shattering fireworks orgasm. And to you, I want to say you're not alone. And having that kind of firework situation is cute and it's fun, but it's not the whole story. It's not the goal. For me, it's that noticing the change and noticing that my body is changing in ways that, mm, I don't know, just noticing that my body is changing and it could change to something else. But um, here's the deal. If you want one and maybe you've never had an orgasm or you don't know if you've had one, if you want one, I'm going to encourage you to wait till the end because I'm going to give you some tips and some suggestions that may help you get there. But for those of us that used to have them and have them often, this change can be sad. And I want to acknowledge that this can feel like a loss, especially when this new achu is your new normal. There are a few reasons that this could be happening. And I want to be really intentional to tell you that the focus is on orgasm. I can talk about libido and desire another time, but right now we're talking about orgasm. Actually, I think some libido is going to slip in there, but the real focus is orgasm. And the first reason may be aging. Starting around the age of 40 to 50, that age range, erectile strength decreases. Now, why is that important? Every human being has erectile tissue in their genitals. So it decreases for penises and for vulvas and vaginas. In addition, vaginal lubrication starts to decrease. And while testosterone declines for men at a slower rate with the aging process, maybe 1% a year, the opposite happens for women. And estrogen drops in a rapid pace 
plummeting to the depths of the ocean like a fucking free diver right there. And right when you hit that menopausal day, that 365. The other thing that happens, and again, this could be mainly female-bodied people, the response to touch can diminish as well. So with that, there's an overall decrease in sex drive. Some people even have less sexual fantasies with aging. That's going to be important in a little bit. The second reason, we're going to talk about Tuesdays. So I had a coworker way back when, when I started to talk about sex and sexuality at work as a floor nurse, a bedside nurse, people would come and kind of corner me in the med room or in the break room and say like, oh, Jessica, can I talk to you about something? Can I ask you a question? Can I run something by you? And I had this one coworker who said that every Tuesday night, she and her husband had sex and she loved it that way. And that's a great idea. That's a lovely idea. Scheduling sex is actually really helpful for people. However, if you've had the same partner for decades, Tuesdays might get really predictable and boring. Like you, you can put in Saturday, Sunday, whatever your thing is, because there's something called a sexual script and we all have one. It's that internal dialogue that says we have sex on Tuesday at 8 p.m. I walk in, I'm greeted at the door. I'm always greeted on that Tuesday with a glass of wine. Then the lights go dim and my partner looks at me and says, I'm going upstairs. Or something like, um, how's the bush? And then you go upstairs because you know that that means they're ready to have sex. You brush your teeth, you put on the blue panties because you've always got to have the blue panties and so on and so forth. You get the idea. But the script becomes boring. It's the same script. Same scene, super predictable. And then once you have the sex and the scene ends and it's over, you go back to scrolling until next week. And you can see how that might dampen the whole wow. Number three, let's talk about the pelvic floor. If there's weakness or tension or you just don't move at all, you may notice a deep slump in your sexual response. You literally have to eat. You have to be fueled. I'm not talking about a big meal because don't have a big meal before you're going to have like big sex, but you have to fuel your body. You have to move your body and you must breathe. This gets the blood flowing. Now, the interesting thing about breath, because you might be thinking, what the hell does breathing have to do? No, you already know breathing has something to do with it. Think about your sneeze. Think about the long exhales, right? Think about those times that you've held your breath. But have you thought about the nose besides the sneeze? Have you thought about the nose? The nose is a pretty sexy organ. It also has erectile tissue. And in fact, it becomes erect when you are aroused. Even scent can bring up arousal. There is a particular perfume that I only have samples of, honestly, because I can't afford it right now. But you know what? Let me tell you something. Eventually, I will be getting the big red bottle, okay? But anyway, every time I put this perfume on, 
I cannot help but smell myself. And then I make everyone else smell me. I'm like, who smell me, smell me. I mean, people are just sick of me, but I love it. And I feel like it, um, so scent can bring up arousal. But I, I got off track. Let me get back on track. Here I am. I'm going to focus. But also <laughs> breathing through the nose increases nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is a vasodilator that is stimulated by the nervous system. Go back to that like wordy ass quote. You don't actually have to. I'm just going to let you know. Back to that wordy ass quote. It talks about the nervous system. In other words, Breathing brings more blood to the genitals by stimulating the nervous system by having vaso, that means veins, dilate, get bigger so more blood can flow. This is how Viagra works. It is a drug that enhances nitric oxide. So moving the body and especially nasal breathing will pump blood to the genitals. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Number four is medication. Medication can change orgasm. It could be even a change in medication that changes your orgasm. Antidepressants are notorious for this. Blood pressure medication can also blunt orgasm. Not to mention chronic illness. But remember, I'm not saying that orgasm is a reason to stop life-saving medication, but it is a reason to talk openly with your prescriber to see if there are alternatives. In that medication space, I also want to talk a little bit about alcohol because a lot of people feel that alcohol will help, but it gets to a point where it doesn't especially for those of us that are a little bit older, like older than 36. Alcohol can ruin an orgasm. Number five. So let's talk about birth control, specifically the pill and condoms. And this is a really hard one because there's like this thought that it's harder to come with a condom. Well, I kind of like want to say like suck it up buttercup because you know you need to be safe and you need to keep people safe right but there are alternatives to condoms of course this requires a conversation about fluid exchange sti testing etc the pill can also be an issue the birth control pill most oral con uh, oral contraceptives bind up free testosterone and then they in return lower libido and decrease orgasmic response so what does that mean free testosterone there's total testosterone and there's free testosterone free testosterone is the testosterone that we all have that is available it's free to be used and what happens when you take the pill is that it increases something called the sex hormone binding globulin. And when the sex hormone binding globulin increases, it takes that free testosterone with it. Not all of it, but it can take more of it. You finally think, I'm gonna get on the pill, it's gonna help me with my periods, it's gonna help me with my mood, and I'm not gonna have to worry about unwanted pregnancy, 
and you notice that not only are you not in the mood, but even when you do get in the mood, it's like that little achoo. Again, there are different pills. So if you love the idea of taking a birth control pill, it really works for you. You've noticed something with your libido. You want to talk to your prescriber. The last issue, or I don't know, number six, and you know, I've already like lost my count. Yeah. Number six. The last one, number six is when blunted turns bad. There are reasons that blunted orgasms can become bad orgasms. And those usually have to do with relationship, relationship with other people and relationship with yourself, such as feeling obligated when you are not in the mood or doing it because it's Tuesday, but you're actually pissed off or doing it because it's easier. And by it, I mean, engaging in, in some sort of sexual play that could end up in orgasm right? Doing it because it's easier than talking about your relationship. That could end up with a bad orgasm. That can mess you up. Other causes of bad orgasm are shame. Your mind is someplace else, stress, or not being true to yourself as far as your gender identity, as far as your turn-ons, as far as your sexual identity. So what are you going to do? Let's start with bringing blood to the pelvis. Here's the thing. You think I'm going to say Kegels. Well, I'm not. I'm not. Because most of us do them wrong. Or you're already doing Kegels and you don't know because you're in this state of contraction all the time. And maybe you hold all of your stress in your pelvis. What I do want to suggest are hip thrusts, bridges, where you're laying on your back and your knees are bent and you're lifting, you're lifting your hips up, you're thrusting them up and you're squeezing your butt cheeks. You know what I'm talking about? Madonna, when she was in the dance, in the leotard with the flip, hip thrust, you, you got it. You know what I'm talking about. The other thing that you can do are pelvic floor circles. So you're sitting down, you can sit on a blanket, you're sitting crisscross applesauce, you're sitting in lotus pose, you're sitting anywhere that feels comfortable with your knees bent in, and you are going to make circles with your pelvis on the floor. If you want a more formal instruction, another excellent suggestion is, and I talk about this because I love it so much, low pressure fitness. On my old Instagram, which I still use, um, Jessica underscore Jolie underscore NP, you can see a sped up version of me doing some low pressure fitness, but I'm going to put it on the age list um, IG too. That particular exercise involves two important factors in orgasm, breath and blood flow. I cannot say enough about low pressure fitness. I went to a pelvic floor PT, pelvic floor PT, and I learned a ton and it was amazing. However, low pressure fitness really upsucked it all up. Um, low pressure fitness is about expanding the rib cage and releasing that rib cage. So the rib cage, there's a lot of taking 
soft breaths, relaxing breaths to find expansion in the diaphragm so that the pelvic floor and the uterus can just rise up. There's actually a video of somebody doing a Pilates move and they have a camera right in their vagina so you can see the uterus and then doing the same not you know doing the Pilates move they're filming it and then they're doing a low pressure fitness expansion and you can see everything just pull right in so low pressure fitness pretty amazing the second tip is for the mind I mentioned briefly that fantasies can go down so bringing more fantasy into your day-to-day is going to be very helpful. You can even bring fantasy into the bedroom or the sexual experience. You know, I think Esther Perel said something like, um, you know, your erotic mind is your own business, something to that effect. Like you can think about whomever you want. That is not quote unquote cheating while you're doing what you need to do. You can also check out Dipsia, which is the erotic audiobook app. If they ever want to sponsor me, I would love that. Um, Especially if you're a very auditory person. If you're listening to a podcast, chances are you might like listening to stories. So think about fantasy. Think about play and going off script and trying new things, creating new scenes, if only in your head. I want to talk about medication that helps, but word of caution, this is not a suggestion. This is not a recommendation, nor is this medical advice. You should not change or add any supplements, medication, nothing. Don't change anything without discussing it with your, your provider. But there are medicines. Uh, The first one that comes to mind is Addy, Flibanserin, which is an SSRI that helps with female sexual dysfunction. A medicine that's used off-label is Wellbutrin. Wellbutrin, which used to be Zyban, which is um, a known antidepressant, and it works with your dopamine. And it's usually used for smoking. It were was used for smoking sensation, cessation. It's also used off-label for adult ADHD. And what that does, meaning Wellbutrin, What Wellbutrin does is it increases dopamine, and that can assist with having stronger orgasmic response. Finally, there's an article that came out in January that said that cannabis can boost desire and orgasm. Okay, so I know a lot of you are like, oh, yeah, 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 I knew that. But do you really, do you really? And like all things with moderation, because I have seen the absolute dead ass difference, like opposite 180. No, no, sir. No, Mm. all things moderation. Although cannabis is medicine, I will give you that. But let's be, let's be real. I want to leave you with an exercise. It's called Hugging Till Relaxed. And it comes from the book Passionate Marriage by David Schnarch, PhD. He actually passed in 2021. What he says about hugging to relax, there are no specific, as far as I could find um, in the book, specific. I got to look again, but he goes on to say that 
Hugging Till Relaxed is the perfect example of using touch, and it says in brackets, sex, to grow yourself up by learning to enjoy togetherness and separateness. Your pleasure is your own. And it's that concept of being together and separate, being able to stand on your own two feet. That is intimacy. Now, ideally, you're going to put 10 minutes on the clock. And if you get through two, excellent. If you get through 10, you're a fucking superstar, you and your partner. And while we're talking about sex and intimacy and orgasm, know that you can do this practice with anyone you're cultivating an intimate relationship with and intimate, you know, intimacy does not always mean sex. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to stand and you, maybe you've got some distance between you and your partner so that you can actually feel grounded. Then I encourage you to take some breaths and relax and settle yourself because we know now that orgasm and the nervous system go hand in hand. Once you've settled yourself, you can open your eyes and you can look at your partner. From a very grounded place, you're going to walk closer. Place one foot between the partner's feet. So I'm gonna use those um, instructions. And you get close enough that you can put your arms around your partner and your partner can put their arms around you and you both feel relaxed and comfortable. Allow yourself to relax into the hug and continue to breathe. Slow, long breaths. As you get into those first two minutes, you may notice resistance. Notice it. You can even feel it. But try and not let go. Try and not push them away. Just notice what you're thinking and what's coming up. Once the 10 minutes is up, use that time to talk about it with your partner and see what you were thinking, what came up, and what that resistance was. If and when and I'm just going to say when, because you are going to get past those two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. You may notice that you start to almost melt into one another. But again, you're still grounded into the earth. You're still on your own two feet and you're giving of yourself and they're giving to you. And maybe you notice their belly pressed against your belly, the breath on your neck or the firmness of their hand on your back. In, I don't know if it's in the book or something that I was reading, but this is not me. Somebody said a desire in saying, I want to hold you. And maybe somebody saying i want to hold you what can lead to more so go practice and tell me how that goes am i saying that if you do all these things the exercise the breathing the fantasy 
the hugging till relaxed. You are going to have these full body trembling orgasms. No, I'm not saying that. I mean, maybe you will. And like, let me know. Cause like, wow, excellent. But intention and commitment can bring you to where you want to be. And that may be feeling a sense of release and freedom, which is exactly what age lust is all about. Age lust is about tapping into the hedonism of aging, the small and big pleasures, and the innovative tools for aging with excitement. Thank you so much for listening. I have a bunch of exciting episodes coming up. I would love for you to share this podcast, support it by sharing it with others, posting about it and social media, leaving a rating and or a review. Like if you're going to say some garbage though, like tell me first, okay? (laughs) You know, like a nice review, please. Um, On Apple Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at ageless.com. And if you'd like to leave me a voicemail, go to anchor.fm forward slash agelust because I would love to hear your questions, your concerns, or anything you want to share about aging, hormones, or life in general. So until next week, thank you so much for listening. There are notes in the podcast description and yeah, thanks. Thanks.